Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. The Skywalkers may be the first family of Star Wars, but the meaning of family in a galaxy far, far away is about so much more than the family you're born into. The concept of family within Star Wars is tied up in the tapestry of themes right next to hope. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our show. We're finally back on our regular schedule, and <laughs> we are talking all about family in Star Wars. I'm really excited for this topic. I know, me too. And, you know, as we shift away from... It's been like six months of talking about films, <laughs> and <Yes>. I... <laughs> I feel like I am excited to like dive into talking about Star Wars as a whole again. And I said this when we did our Visions episode, but it really feels like it now since we're like kind of moving through Solo and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. We were right before we hit record, we were talking about how this one, this episode is kind of similar to our Visions episode where we're going to be pulling um, from all of the films and animation across all of Star Wars. And that's really some of my favorite things to do on our podcast because I think it's just, it's so much fun. And I love these different connections that you can make between all of these films. It's one of the great things about Star Wars. Totally. And now Caitlin is in upstate New York for her internship. She's no longer staying with me in Boston. No. And it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. So if you're near the Canadian border in New York, look me up. (laughs) (laughs) um, It's so funny. When I tell people that I'm going to New York, everyone's first assumption is just, oh, New York City. And I'm like, no, I'm a good seven hours away from New York City. (laughs) What's funny is that, like, internships are so tied to New York City. So when you say that you have an internship in New York, like, you got to say upstate because it's so so different. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm back at the same place I was last year, and I feel like I've learned my lesson because last year I was like, oh, I'm going up to New York. Like, oh, New York City. It was that whole conversation. But now I make a point to say upstate New York. And some people, like, don't really understand that when I say upstate, I really mean, like, Canada. Like, they – it's just like, no, keep going north further. (laughs) Nope, almost there. A little bit more. You can see the border. You're there. (laughs) It's funny. It's funny. So uh, if you're in the area, (laughs) let me know. (laughs) One thing that we haven't talked about is like the mad craziness that was getting celebration tickets a couple weeks ago. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, we got them. We got our 5G passes. And they're sold out now. (laughs) I can't believe it one that was like the that was so stressful um because you were at work and I was at the apartment I was with Charlotte when all of the tickets went on sale and uh we were both in like lines (laughs) all of the virtual (laughs) queues I was trying to explain later that day to my mother a virtual queue and it was like a really hard conversation (laughs) (laughs) it's like if you don't know then you don't get it I know. I was like, no, we were in line. And she was like, what do you mean in line? I was like, I don't really know, but the green man wouldn't move. <laughs> well, what happened is just like a quick story. 
Um, because I feel like Caitlin and I complain so much about conventions, <laughs> but, um, we were in line, we got, Caitlin got sent a link to the hotel, um, the hotel queue, like a couple minutes before the line actually opened. It was like and three minutes before, cause they, the hotel queue was supposed to open up at two o'clock, but you could log on at like one fifty five, and it was like, you're in line. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> not great, not great. <laughs> no and basically it got you kicked out like right as it hit the two well, o'clock thing well it got so it, it kicked me out and then it put me back in line and but I went through the line really quickly like I was one of the first people in well I, I guess it was like 203 or something when I actually got into the hotel thing and everything was fine and we were texting and we were comparing the hotels and then it like kicked me out and then it was all downhill from there and I was so sad (laughs) we got a hotel we got everything the end of the story is you know they released another block after like there were no hotels left and we were devastated and stressed and we got hotels for all the days and I assume that they just keep releasing blocks and um the thing is, is that there are many hotels in Chicago, but there's only a certain amount that are tied to the convention and have like a convention price. Or even and close to the convention center. Exactly. And so we were gunning for those. They sold out. Then they were released again. Who knows? Whatever. All that matters is we're really excited because we're going to celebration in April of next year. Woo! And if you guys are going, we definitely want to say hi. We definitely want to do a meetup of some sorts. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to do the podcast stage or apply for it or whatever. Uh, it's kind I of know. People keep asking us about it. And I'm like, oh, we did, a, we did a panel. We were on a panel at Dragon Con. And that, like, I, that was so nerve-wracking. I'm like, to do one in celebration? <laughs> I don't <Whoa>. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, let us know if you guys are going because uh, last time, last year, or for last celebration, the podcast was only like two months old at that time. So we knew people, but we weren't comfortable enough yet to like do a meetup or like even reach out to like a lot of our online friends. And that's definitely something we want to make a priority next year. So we are super, super pumped for celebration. I, I'm going to be graduated hopefully employed like so much is going to be different like who knows <laughs> or just, nothing is going to be different <laughs> or absolutely nothing and i'll be back in charlotte's apartment <laughs> yep. the same as last year yes exactly but you know we're just really excited and let us know if you're going or let us know if you like desperately want us to do the podcast stage maybe all we need is a little encouragement <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But let us know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we should probably get started. Yes. So in part one, we're going to be defining the concept of family in Star Wars. And in part two, we're going to be touching on some of the themes around family that were brought up in Solo. And in part three, we're going to be talking about the future of the saga and kind of talk a little bit more about the sequel trilogy and the concept of family there. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? All right, welcome to part one where we're going to be defining family in Star Wars. And kind of to start us off on this discussion, I think is the probably the most appropriate quote we could pull. And it's from Carrie Fisher in one of the behind the scenes for The Last Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yep. The Last Jedi. She said, it's about family. That's what makes it so powerful. Uh, and what, 
let's like dive in a little bit deeper. What exactly does she mean? I mean, has Star Wars always been about family or has it kind of become that over the years? The thing is, is that the original Star Wars was not about family and family blood. It really wasn't. It Like, I guess it was because it was a sort of a catalyst for Luke to become a Jedi like his father. Sure. But it didn't, things didn't really change until Empire where everything was kind of on that axis of Vader telling Luke that he was his father. And in that point, it became like this huge thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that yes, it, it, it wasn't necessarily about blood until that moment. But the thing that makes Star Wars so good is all these relationships formed in this like found family concept on the mm-hmm. Millennium Falcon and with these characters all together. What's interesting is I think that this this particular question kind of goes back to that whole um, chicken before the egg when it comes to talking about George Lucas and Star Wars. It's like, <laughs> did he was everything decided ahead of time? Was it not? How much did he make a busy went along? And the answer is both. Like <laughs> he. <laughs> He knew that he had this huge saga planned out. And so, I mean, you assume that there was probably, you know, there were all of these um, foundation storylines that he knew he wanted in there, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then it became about so much more. And it's like once you're an empire, then he's like, then, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like you said, it's growing more and more into this family thing. Um, what I love particularly about the original trilogy is that it's kind of the best of both worlds. It's like Luke has this found family and then ends up being his actual family, like his blood family with Leia. Um, I think there's something really cool about that. And this, you know, kind of going back to that cosmic force destiny, um, finding your found family and them actually becoming, you find out that they are your family, if that makes sense. And I think that the Carrie Fisher quote you know, it hits so hard when she said that at the end of that behind the scenes sizzle mm-hmm. reel because I mean, not only because it was pretty recent after her passing, but yeah. the thing is the thing that always gets me about Star Wars is how generational it is. And it's and it's generational because it has this uplifting story about family and found family and friendships and love and everything. And it is really it's about family in all sense of the word. And mm-hmm. truly, that's why that quote hits so hard. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I feel like I might be repeating myself a little bit tonight, but I do think that it bears repeating about how powerful that concept is. Mm-hmm. When we were putting t- together the show, I've been watching a lot of old interviews with Kathleen Kennedy, George Lucas, J.J. Abrams, and kind of just revisiting that time period of before, you know, kind of the fan vibe got really, really harsh around The Last Jedi and kind of going back to that like excitement time <laughs> around <laughs> The Force Awakens. And, you know, when when they were kind of talking about things in abstracts. And I have found that Kathy has talked about, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but a couple of times about how Star Wars it, it it's has stood a part of like other franchises, like big action franchises in being so much about love and about family and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think, I really do think that that is the reason why people come back to it time and time again. And it, that it stands the test of time because yes, it's myth, it's modern myth, but it's modern myth with this like amazing concept of how important it is to love the people around you. You know, mm-hmm. well, there's something familiar about this family um, that has been built over the past four decades. 
uh, and that's something you don't see. I mean, it's like when you're talking about like the difference between Star Wars and like big action films. I mean, I think the most the most common comparison right now is the Avengers and Marvel, and mm-hmm. it's like you have these pieces of family, but really like the only and I don't know Marvel as well, but like what I think of when I think of family in Marvel is like Thor and Loki <laughs> and right. that's about it. <laughs> um, whereas with Star Wars, like it's so at this point it is, you know, it is modern myth and it's um, it permeates every part of these stories, um, whether it's backstory about someone's family or it's about finding your family. Um, it really does all come down to that about seeking your belonging and that can look like a lot of different things to a lot of different people Mm -hmm. and i think that it it is so purposeful that that second the first full trailer for the force awakens had that quote from luke you know the force is strong in my family um etc you know and oh my god you said etc right i know it's shocking (laughs) no (laughs) exception yeah (laughs) Um, but I think that it's, it's no, it's no mistake that, that, you know, brought back this like new, new age of the franchise because it is so well known that that's what makes this so special. What I think is interesting is that it's like The Last Jedi has really um, has really been honing in on this idea of family. And I know the first time I heard that little snippet from Carrie Fisher, you know, it's about family. That's what makes it so powerful. My first like short-sighted thought, of course, was about Ben Solo. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, Princess Leia is talking about family. She's talking about her kid. <laughs> and, um, that's where my, my mind went to. But it's like when you zoom out and you really look at it on this big picture – it is about family and there is something really powerful about that. And what's great now about how diverse Star Wars is, is that you get to see a lot of definitions of what family is. And I know that's especially true when it comes to these anthology films and to animation, which are separate from the, you know, quote unquote, first family of Star Wars, the Skywalkers. (laughs) Why don't we dive right into like the animation and the anthology films? Um, I think, I think it's pretty clear that Rebels is the maybe the most profound <laughs> example of found family mm-hmm, um, definitely within Star Wars at this point. And um, I don't want to spoil it because I do think that you can listen to this conversation without like watching the end of Rebels and I'm not going to, but I think that, you know, they always refer to like Kanan and Hera are like the parents and Ezra, Sabine and Zeb are like the kids. And they often refer to them as such. It's actually mm-hmm. adorable. It's, it's one of the cutest things. <laughs> well, I mean, Ezra, it, Ezra and yep. Zeb even have that. It's in the first season. One of their first episodes together is Hera sending them out on this like shopping list, like a grocery run, basically for them to learn how to work together. And like they share a bedroom with bunk beds and like... <laughs> It's just like they're like siblings who have to learn how to get along with each other. It's very familial. And the thing is, is that if that show didn't have these kind of dynamics, it wouldn't feel Star Warsy. Mm-hmm. And I know we talk a lot about like what's the Star Wars feeling, and I feel like that's the Star Wars feeling. I, like overall, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Characters have to um, relate to each other in a way that like makes you feel good about yourself because they they're just so happy together and they're stronger together right yeah i think it's an interesting comparison though between 
Rebels and Clone Wars? Because Clone Wars doesn't have, I mean, do you think Clone Wars has that same kind of family vibe that Rebels has? Well, I think it's weird that you bring that up because I do think that like the Anakin and Obi-Wan relationship is so familial to the point where it's like, oh, he's like my father, he's my brother, everything like that. And that is said in Attack of the Clones, then Revenge of the Sith, and then only expanded upon in Clone Wars. So much so that we even see this, you you talk about it all the time, like Ahsoka being Anakin's apprentice. It's like the first time you could potentially see Anakin as a father. Yeah, and- no, I, I totally agree. But it's almost like these relationships in Clone Wars are more isolated. Like when I yes. think of like family unity, units. I don't think of as much as I love all the missions of Obi-Wan, Anakin and Ahsoka together. I don't think of them as a family unit. I think of them as like a Jedi unit. Whereas I think of like the rebels crew as a family unit. Perhaps that's the, you know, the prequels are flawed and not in, in the fact that, that, you know, as everyone says, like the prequels suck. I'm not saying that I'm saying that the prequels kind of show like fragmented flawed people and everything mm-hmm. and it's you look at that and they you're you're right they're isolated and then we see like everything kind of building to this like great strength of a crew and like we see in Rogue One even in Solo right <laughs> and in Rebels and we'll get into Solo I think Solo is a little bit more complicated than that but mm-hmm. um, I think that Rebels is kind of that huge strength of like these people shouldn't be isolated and when they're isolated they're not at their best yeah and it's kind of like the jedi have are creating are kind of forcing these relationships on people but Mm -hmm. they can't you know that's the whole thing of the jedi is like you are tied to this person to this apprentice this master what have you but like don't be too tied (laughs) Um, you know don't be too attached I mean that great episode in Clone Wars with Luminara and uh, Barris the the Genosis episode where Mm -hmm. Barris and Ahsoka are trapped underneath and Anakin is like freaking out and Luminara is like we have to let them go and Anakin's like I won't abandon her and Luminara says like this great line where she's like unlike you Skywalker I know like when to say goodbye and, you know, it's pointing out that Anakin doesn't know how to do that. And, of course, we all know he doesn't. Um, but it's like the it, they're all their relationships are a product of their time. And it's like Anakin and Padme never get to that, like, homely place because their relationship is built on secrecy. And so there's mm-hmm. always that tinge of, oh, what if they're found out, blah, 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 like all around their scene, for most of their scenes together, obviously not all. Um, but there's always that kind of underlying vibe. It can never get to that, um, you know, like Sabine drawing graffiti on Zeb and Ezra's walls. Like you're not going to have that same kind of humor and um, comfort level in Clone Wars like you would have in Rebels due to the situations that those characters were in. Definitely. So is family like really all about blood then? I know we've talked about this, but like, what does that mean to you? And how do we really define family then? I think, I think, like I said earlier, this like era of Star Wars is building on everything that's come before. And this idea that like, however you define family, whether it's blood family or found family, you know, both are important and both can be like guiding stars in your life. And I really, I really do think that Rebels is the best example of that. Um, Because Mm -hmm. where we see Ezra in the beginning of Rebels, he's broken over the loss of his blood family. Um, But then he has this found family and like I said we won't do spoilers but that's something that's brought up a lot throughout Rebels um, is you know Ezra kind of 
mourning and remembering and trying to honor his blood family um, while growing, while also doing the same, feeling the same way about his found family and him learning that both are infinitely important to him. Right. And it is no no spoilers, but he does continue to refer to the ghost crew as his new family. Mm -hmm. And it is really beautiful. It really is. I, I think that's, it's, I think that really is one of the biggest strengths of Rebels. Okay, so let's go to Rogue One, because I think Rogue One is kind of a different example of found family, right? Because the entire movie is also guided by the fact that Jin, it starts off like Jin experiencing, you know, the terror of her family being taken away from her and then like forced into Ezra. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think one of the the differences between Rebels and Rogue One is that Rebels is kind of this found family. Rogue One is kind of this forged family. Um, yes. Because there isn't – that's one of the, like, tragedies and one of the points of, of Rogue One is that there isn't time for them to become anything more than they are in the moments that were with them. There is no past or future for these characters together. All they have mm-hmm. is this moment. And – that like forges this incredible bond between them, which is at once so immediate, which and intimate, which is what we see with Cassian and Jen, but it's so brief because yes. you know, they die. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I do think there's that there's that beautiful moment where Baze takes um Jin's hand and calls her little sister. Mm-hmm. And that's before they go to um Scara for anything yeah. and it really just is establishing this idea that at the end of this they will all go into this one mission together and all these different people mean something to each other despite I, I think it's, it's a little bit more isolationist like a, a little bit more Clone Wars than it is Rebels yeah. um, but I, I do think that th- the reason why the end of Rogue One works so much is because you understand that all these people are together in this forged family, to use the word that you use, um, to to uh, accomplish this one specific goal. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because this is one of the. If you guys don't know, one of the the Rogue One talking about Rogue One was uh, right when we started Sky Talkers. It was because we were a little bit frustrated at some of the discourse we are seeing about <laughs> Rogue One because a lot of people were critiquing the characterization of Rogue One, and Charlotte and I both felt completely opposite of that. And we were like, "This is the time we're starting a podcast and we're going to talk <laughs> about Rogue One because we love it." Uh, <laughs> Us. Um, but I remember one of the things that people would point is to this moment that you're talking about is Bay is calling Jen little sister, and everyone was like, that makes no sense. He's like said two words to her, blah, blah, blah. It's not good. Um, and it's like it's bad characterization. And I remember thinking, like, no, that's the point. It is it's a forged family. They're in this live and die situation, and they all know how important it is. And in that moment, it's like for as important as the mission is, they're all as important to each other too, even in this short time, because they all know that, you know, this is the end and these Mm -hmm. are the people that they're with. These are the people that have chosen to go on this mission to fulfill this, (laughs) in the words of Snoke, to fulfill this destiny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That Snoke line came out of nowhere and I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) But like, that's the, that's the point of like, that's the underlying point of Rogue One is that it is so tragic because their time together is so brief. Um, But they do feel so deeply for each other. 
just as an aside, I, I <laughs> at the risk of like kind of beating a dead horse, um, I I find that discourse about like the characterization in Rogue One to be sad because I found myself so attached to these characters and mm-hmm. was like openly weeping at the end of that movie. Oh, I know. So much so that I did not expect it. And I think there's something there <laughs> where you recognize this this like one group sacrifice when 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 the the shield doors like close on the, t- the, the sh- what is it called? The um the shield doors. Yeah, the shield doors. When they close on the planet and you know that they're stuck there forever, mm-hmm. it's like Ugh, oh, the, oh my god. The shadow of the death star and the music. Yeah. And but the the reason why it works, and yes, it's the music, it's the visuals and everything, but it works because you have spent this entire movie that's quite long, you know, building to this point of realizing that they're all in this together. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's it's familial. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And and like as an aside on like the Rogue One characterizations, which at some point Charlotte and I will do um we do have a breakdown of Rogue One from like the very beginning of our podcast, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's not very good. So at some point we're going to redo one. Um, but it's like, you know, you know, to have good characters, I don't need to know every moment that Baze and Jen have talked to each other in the past, you know, three days that they've known each other. Um, I consider good characterization when I feel something about the things that they're doing um, and when I've been moved emotionally. And for me, that's a mark of a good character. And all of the characters in Rogue One did that for me. Um, and so it all makes sense. Um, but it, it it's, I really like the, I haven't really thought about this until we started talking about it, but the comparison between Jin and Ezra, because they both have this loss of their blood family Um to then creating a found and a forged family. Wow. I know. It's sad. And I think I it's, mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great parallel because they're both yeah. experiencing things at, at, at this time period in history, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it works because of that. Okay. I want to bring up a comparison between um, Jin and Ezra and like Rebels versus Rogue One, but it like gets a little spoilerly. So I would skip ahead about like, three to four minutes um, because I'm just going to talk a little bit about kind of the finale. So Rebels, spoiler warning here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm kind of interested in following this like thought process of comparing Jin and Ezra a little bit because like, let's say, and like the, the impact of these families um, because with Rebels, we have so much time with that crew. Um, But as we've discussed with the Rogue One crew, like they've affected us pretty deeply and emotionally Mm -hmm. despite only having one film with them. So like, how do you think it would compare if like rebels had ended with like the entire ghost crew sacrificing themselves in some kind of similar final mission, final lesson situation like rogue one does. Okay. So in a world where there's no rogue one, are you, is that your question? Um, No, I guess, I guess just maybe I don't know what my question is. (laughs) I think that, if w- without Rogue One, it would have worked for the Ghost Crew. I think it would have, um, especially if it was like for Lothal. Mm-hmm. If w- with Rogue One, it doesn't work because it just doesn't work. It doesn't have as big of an impact, and the epilogue of of Rebels is inspirational. It's joyous. The fact that they most of them survive, like I, I, I feel like that 
is what that show needed, especially with that family. And it's it shows that their resiliency and their ability to come together like continues throughout all this huge war. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that that show does that in a way that Rogue One, all these people diverging at this one point um, to accomplish this this one mission together. It, it's it's just different. It's it's really different to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I just kind of wanted to follow that line of thought a little bit because it, it is interesting the the Jin and Ezra comparison now that we've kind of talked through it a little more because I hadn't really mm. thought about it before now. Totally. Okay. Well, I'm really itching to talk about Solo in this yes. theme of family. So let's move on to part two. Okay. So welcome to part two. Um, we're going to be talking about Solo. So hopefully you've seen it. If not, spoiler warning, head to part three. Um, <laughs> I have been thinking a lot about Solo lately and kind of the catalyst of wanting to talk about this this theme of family has been the conversation really around the whole how did Han get his name? <laughs> I think the whole like conception of his name is like kind of not the best. <laughs> you mean like the original like George Lucas like he's on his own. He's Solo. No, I mean in 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 universe. In the film. Yeah, yeah in universe it's I think it's kitschy. just like it's a little kitschy, but I do have to like bring in an you know a thematic reason why it works. Obviously, it works because Han Solo is on his own. It is like part of who he is, mm-hmm. right? He is solo. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of. It's a little questionable. I think that the whole question that the Imperial officer asks him, which is, "Who are your people?" Um, Han goes, "I have no people," and I think it's so interesting. Like once you kind of break down this, it's like. You know, out, outside of Star Wars, like we maybe we would have said someone would have said, "What's your last name?" Right? Who, who mm-hmm. are you? Who is your family? Instead, the emphasis is on people, and I find that really in line with our conversation about how like family can be from blood, but it can also be this found family concept of all these people coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it, does it go back to Han's experience with the White Worms? Like, would his last name potentially have been Han of the White Worms? Oh, like, like maybe, Han White Worm? Maybe something like that. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like, you know, Ray is Ray, no last name, but of Jakku. Like, th- maybe it would have been something like that. Yeah. But I do think there's really something there about him saying, who are your people? Yeah. Well, just to kind of, um, for a point of comparison, so I was in anthropology uh, major in my undergraduate life, and uh, we talk a lot about like definition of place, which is something I do a lot in my graduate work too, and like how people, um, like their cultures and how they, they talk about their lives and each other. And one of the things that is really different in different parts of the world is how people ask like who you are, um, which I think is really interesting. Like in Star Wars, in this instance, it's like, who are your people? But in different cultures, that question looks differently um, because those definitions of family are different. It's like, where, like, where's your land or like, um, who are your people? Where's your tribe? Like, mm-hmm. where do you come from? And like, those are all signifiers of who you are. Um, right. And it's not always this, like what we would consider like a traditional Western definition of like, my family is my mother and my father, and that is who I am, you know, but in these different places, it looks and is defined in different ways, just as it, you know, as it kind of is here in Star Wars too. Definitely. And I think that it's, it's, I just think it's purposeful that it says that they say, who are your people, not mm-hmm. who are your family. 
Yeah. And I do think it underscores a little bit about, you know, we talked about in our last episode, our solo breakdown, how we kind of struggled with finding a theme of solo. Mm-hmm. I do think that a major theme of solo is Han trying to find his family and seeking it's, his belonging, you might say. Yes, exactly. And that's why, you know, he has so many comparisons to Ray, no last name, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's, it, that is a major component of Solo in general, the film. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in hindsight, it's kind of ridiculous that we, um, you know, went over it. But here we are doing basically a whole episode it about it. We're doing yeah. it now. <laughs> but I think like, and I, we may have mentioned this in our breakdown, but I think maybe the most Star Wars-y quote in Solo is when they're all sitting around the fire, which, Caitlin, I think you've expressed as like one of your favorite scenes. Um it, it's def- right. it's I think it's one of my favorite. It's definitely one of my favorite Star Wars scenes, and I I think it's my favorite scene in in Solo, particularly. Yeah, there's just something so lovely about it. And it's 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 so lovely because it's so Star Warsy, right? <laughs> and it has that Star Wars feeling of everyone coming together talking about like their interests and their passions, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, and it's you've got aliens, you've got so, dubious do gooders, and like impending doom. <laughs> Got everything. <laughs> like, I laugh. We laugh at the impending doom, but like that's a huge part of Star Wars too. <laughs> Tragedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, there's that line where Chewie they're talking about what they're gonna do with the money and Chewie like garbles something and um Han translates it and he's like, I don't know if he said family or tribe. And Becca goes, What's the difference? So great. Such a and great it, moment. The, the, like it like gives me chills because it is so Star Warsy, and like I can't believe we haven't had that line before mm-hmm. <laughs> in Star Wars, you know? Yeah, and it kind of just underscores like the whole no people thing. Han, yeah, has no people, and it's what's the difference between people, family, and tribe, right? Yeah, it's it's all the same. It's what you make of it. Yeah. And I mean, it, just going back to like the themes of Solo and him trying to find his family, he tries to find, you know, that sense of belonging, that sense of togetherness with Kira. And clearly that's not the answer. He tries to find this like sense of purpose with the crew when they're on Mimbam, right? Yes. I don't know. A wrong, wrong planet. I don't I know. Think, no, I think the mud planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the yeah, that's the mud planet. Yeah, with, the mud troopers, with Rio, and everyone's. It's just not going to work. Beckett was going to betray him. Was going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, thinks that maybe potentially he could like have this life or kind of work for Crimson Dawn. Doesn't really work out that way either. You know, Han is the good guy, but can't potentially find his like belonging his place his family yeah and the only person that he finds it in is Chewbacca which is why his relationship with Chewie lasts like 30 40 years right a long time yeah what I love about like this aspect of Solo is that it's like we know that these aren't his people um and that you know like there's something that's not quite there because it's not supposed to be um, right. Because like his like ride or die people are going are are not here yet, um, and mm-hmm. it's like even and it, it and it does attest to like this change in time too that like families and people change you know however you define family it changes like Han talks about you know his mother or he talks about his father and like clearly that was a relationship that was important to him but changed. Um, mm-hmm. whether through Han's fault, his father's fault, the Empire, we don't really know at this point. Um, but something changed down the line where he still has this um like love and I think only like 
a father-son kind of love can have, but there's distance there. And it's the same with Kira too. Like he, like we talked about, like he has this idea of who she was and he wants that back. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is she's changed and so has he. And so they're not, they're not each other's tribe anymore. Um, something mm-hmm. has happened and that's not always a bad thing. Right. In this case, I think it kind of is a bad thing just based off of like Kira's background and everything. Yeah. But I do think that it's it's obvious, like knowing Han's character arc, obviously he need to get through this in order mm-hmm. to find his Luke and Leia yeah. family. Who- I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Like it's bad the situation, like what happened to Kira. That's what I mean. Yeah. It would have been bad if she had gone with him even without the like crimson dawn component of it and then like trying to be these people that they're no longer are yeah um, for sure that would have been for bad sure. but i get what you're saying like the situation like she shouldn't have ever had to be in that situation exactly um but i do it, it's great because you know he tries to find his sense of belonging and inevitably finds it <laughs> into people who are family right. <laughs> like blood family <laughs> And then he marries into that family. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> like, it, it's just great. <laughs> what, what's cool is that for as much as we, like, highlight the Skywalker family and we talk about how, you know, Ben is still a Skywalker, even if that's not his name. But, like, he he takes after his father in that, like, father-son relationship. Like the way that Han kind of talks about his father in Solo, it, I think it's, it's obviously not the same, but I think it's comparable to how Ben talks about his father. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can totally see where if if that that scene where Han and Lando are talking, and you know he's talking about how his father built ships and was a pilot, and he's like, but uh, he you know he was a disappointment in the end. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see that line coming from Han in Solo. Um, and then, of course, Ben says that to Kylo says that to Ray. You know, he would have disappointed you, um, but he didn't want to kill him. So there was, you know, there is. I mean, obviously, like the saga films are so much more dramatic um, than I think Solo was <laughs> ever going to be. Um, but or I needed think, to be. Yeah, exactly. But I think there is that comparison to be made there. That like, even though um, Ben is a Skywalker, he is his father's son. Definitely, for sure. I think that that like goes without saying almost, mm-hmm. you know, and you see those kind of comparisons come up in solo and the extra canon material, anything. Yes. So anything more that we want to say about solo in terms of family? Um, I guess they're all, you know, everyone's just trying to put together a crew the best they can. It's literally a theme. I know. you know, I joked a while back that like, my favorite line in Solo is Big Shot Gangster putting together a crew, obviously. <laughs> but I, it's kind of a theme. I know it's kind of a throwaway line, but the whole concept of putting together a crew <laughs> is like Han's like goal, essentially. It's really right. And I think that's great. And that's obviously like we laugh about it because it's like, oh, it was like a throwaway line at the end of the movie about Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. And Jabba wasn't even a part of this movie. <laughs> but it's, it's still like uh like a high key concept <laughs> that obviously the marketing people like recognized because of course it is. You know, there's all these people that are coming together and yes, it doesn't work. No, it really I, doesn't work. I think that concept was like some intern somewhere just like got a good kick out of that line and was like, use it. <laughs> use it and abuse it. <laughs> it's great. It's funny. 
Okay, so let's talk about the sequel trilogy. Yes. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three, where we're talking about the future of family in Star Wars. And uh, obviously, we're going to be touching on the sequel trilogy here. So where do we kind of think this concept of found blood and forged family is going in the sequel trilogy? I think it's all going to converge. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like that is my answer for most things <laughs> about episode <laughs> nine at this point of like, oh, like it's all going to come together. Yeah, yeah. But I really do yeah. think it is. I think there's going to be an equal emphasis on family and like the Skywalker blood as much as there is like found family. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, you know, people who are very interested in the Rey and Kylo dynamic, I think that those concepts are going to come together with them as they kind of already started to in The Last Jedi. Yeah, it is. It, it's kind of like with Leia and Luke. Um, like, it is this convergence of blood and found family and, like, mm-hmm. becoming family. And But it's converging with the Skywalker family, too. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's like that's as big as the concept of family is in Star Wars. It's as big as hope. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like these two, you know, extremely prevalent concepts are definitely going to come together to, like, prove that, like, I don't know, some sort of, like, joyous celebration of everything kind of working out, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I I do think that we have to, like, go, like, take a step back before we talk about the future and just kind of discuss, like, each of the the characters, like, Ray and Finn and Poe and, like, where do they come from in terms of family? Mm -hmm. Well, they're all, I mean... That's kind of the weird thing about the sequel trilogy is that the 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 crew, as it were, is in a lot of ways a lot more disjointed than even like our prequel trilogy relationships, like mm-hmm. Anakin and Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi Wan and Padme and everything, um, because they all obviously like Ray and Finn have the strongest relationship at this point, um, and having come from like a no family background and having been like abandoned more or less. Um, I don't think Finn was abandoned, but like he was taken from his family. Yeah. Yeah. And and, like Ray, Ray's situation was just as traumatic. Um, just a little different. Like she was given away, um, Mm -hmm. sold, (laughs) um, and it it's it's sad and you want them to have that found family together but then we have these other characters who are becoming more and more important but they're kind of more loosely drawn and i don't necessarily mean that in a bad way but like poe um there's not a lot we know about him we do have his comic which delves a lot into his family life but as far as from like a saga standpoint like the films um there isn't a lot there because he was supposed to die in the beginning of force awakens and then but then with rose too we have this tragedy of Paige. so they're all kind of marked by this tragedy within their families i think it's really a step that disney has been doing um it's very disney-esque in a way um i don't like to say disney i shouldn't say disney but i will because (laughs) It's all these new characters are marked by something in their childhood. Yeah. Um, whether it's, you know, Ray being left by her parents or Finn being taken by a family that, you know, for by the First Order taken from a family he'll never know. Yeah. Um, 
Poe, you're right, we don't really know much about him in movie. Like, obviously, we know about Charbet and everyone, but through the comics, but um, even still, like, they they died. And um, th- then we have Ben, who was clearly marked and preyed upon by Snoke when he was young and had his uncle stand above him in bed, right? Yeah. And then we have Jin Erso, who, when she was like six or so, her parents were murdered right in front of her, right? Her mom mm-hmm. was murdered and then her dad was taken from her, dies later. And we have Han Solo, who lives a scrum la- rat life, right? So we have these characters now, and even Ezra, you know, mm-hmm. these new characters who are all marked by something in their childhood. And it is very fairy tale esque. And I think that. That's important to remember because, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, this is not unlike what we had in the original trilogy either. Like, you know, Anakin Sky original trilogy, I say original trilogy and they go straight for Anakin. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we have this with all of our characters, save for Padme. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think that it is quite a statement for literally every single character that they introduce into canon to have this kind of background. And it it becomes increasingly important for them to understand the importance of loving those around them. Yeah, it's what I think is is cool about the sequel trilogy and like this idea of everything kind of converging together at the end again, like both found, forged and blood family is that Mm -hmm. um, it's like with the Skywalkers, you kind of get the best of both worlds because it's like Ben has had this um, traumatic childhood and upbringing um, brought on by a lot of different factors himself included but his family is still there um and so there's this chance i mean obviously we don't know what's going to happen in episode nine with leia but originally if we kind of take a step back originally there was this like potential for reconciliation um just like there was in episode six with luke and vader um and i i think that There'll be, you know, if if Benzel is to be redeemed in some form or fashion, I think there will be like some mention, depending on how things go with Leia, of like his his blood family forgiving him. And of course, we have the potential of like a Luke or an Anakin Force Ghost situation to for something like that to be brought up. Um, and then it's like then he has this opportunity to be reconciled, hopefully, on some level with his blood family and then have this found family, whether it's, um, you know, in a romantic relationship with Ray or just in like a belonging with Ray as like powerful force yielders. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like we can see both of these things coming together. And then, you know, if it did go the like romantic Raylo route, Ray has the found family of like Finn and Poe and the Resistance and then, you know, becomes a blood family with Kylo, with Ben. Mm -hmm. Totally. So you do get the best of both worlds. Can I, okay, just to kind of, since we haven't really talked a ton about Vader, but someone had posted this excerpt today from the Return of the Jedi novelization on Twitter. Did you see this? I did. Do you want to read it? I do. I like just thought of it. And I think it's this really great moment of um, it's the end of Return of the Jedi and Vader kind of talking about Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker, which I think is great because, you know, those are two branches of his family, as it were. So this is an excerpt from Return of the Jedi, the novelization, which I don't think either of us have read. Have you read it? Yeah, of course I've read it. (laughs) I read all of them. A little mean. It's been a really long time, though. As like, per usual, it's- Charlotte's <laughs> shaming me for things I haven't read. 
<laughs> it's been so long. And the thing is, is that those novelizations, like, they're really old, yeah, you know? I, what you're going to read has value, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same sort of prose that you get with Revenge of the Sith. All right. Well, you're making one. You're making me feel bad about not having read it. Two. You're making me feel bad that this like isn't Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> so let me just okay, say, I'm, I backtrack. It's a when, good one. I remember reading it. Whatever. It okay. Was- I'm gonna read it. Just hush. <laughs> All right. This is an excerpt. An excellent excerpt from Return of the Jedi. And this memory brought a wave of other memories with it. Memories of brotherhood and home. His dear wife. The freedom of deep space. Obi Wan. Obi-Wan, his friend, and how that friendship had turned. Turned, he knew not how, but got injected nonetheless with some uncaring virulence that festered until... Hold. These were memories he wanted none of, not now. Memories of molten lava crawling up his back. No. This boy had pulled him from that pit. Here, now, with this act. This boy was good. The boy was good, and the boy had come from him, so there must have been good in him, too. He smiled up again at his son and for the first time loved him. And for the first time in many long years, loved himself again as well. I think there's like so much in there. I mean, even at the end, like loved himself again. My first thought was of like Kira and her situation. And Mm -hmm. like there was good in him. He even talks about Padme and, and how it's like he was still living in that lava pit. And he felt in a way abandoned by Obi Wan, even though he kind of recognized that you know, that darkness had taken a hold of him that even Obi-Wan couldn't help him at that point. But like Luke pulled him from that lava pit. And there's mm-hmm. something just like really great about that. It, that that symbolism of Luke pulling him from the lava pit that you said kind of, it, it harkens back to the fact that he even has his castle on Mustafar. He's like forever mm-hmm. yeah. writhing in this pain. Yeah. And it's not until Luke that he feels that he could escape that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really like that. Um comparison and that, that connection and in that that way blood family the skywalkers are so powerful yeah it took luke to take vader back to anakin mm-hmm. yeah you know and I, it, it took it took obviously it's not luke that redeems vader we've talked about this before it's anakin realizing his potential it's anakin realizing mm-hmm. that he could love somebody that he had that within him that this person is so good and he is part of him yeah and exactly. it it couldn't be more power, powerful than that yeah i completely agree i think it brings up i mean we kind of have to talk about this when we're talking about family but like the potential end of the skywalker line and uh, there are mm-hmm. a lot of people in the community that are like really ready for that for the skywalker story the skywalker saga to be done no more skywalkers obviously a lot of people see this with like ben kylo ren dying um and it's just like it's over and done with and i think that's something we do have to talk about but i know for us we're both like such skywalker stands all around like all <laughs> every our, single one of them. <laughs> all of our top favorite characters are all skywalkers so like the idea of that happening at this point in time we're both like no <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Um, but, you know, if we could, like, take a step back and kind of take off our Skywalker goggles, um, do we think that that has – like, what does that mean? Like, if Kylo Ren does die at the end of Episode Nine, what does that mean for this theme of family? Well, the thing is, is that, like, I don't know how, the, how he would die. I think it all depends on how his death is portrayed does he die as kylo ren does he die as ben solo because those two things are very separate for me yeah okay so let's take it one at a time let's say he dies as kylo ren 
bad, really bad. Yeah. It's so hopeless. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely the most hopeless thing possible. Leia and Ray both being wrong about him. It proves to me that someone in a terrible who was in a terrible situation who was so self-destructive cannot get himself out despite being com- continuously self-destructive. Yeah. I completely I, agree. I, and I think that is like a terrible mythological theme and just shouldn't be explored. Yeah, I completely agree because I So then to take it the next step, like if you were to die as Ben Solo, like obviously that's not how you want the story to end, but that is the better possibility of the two because you know, it's like if 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 Kylo Ren dies Kylo Ren and like lost to this darkness, like I just thinking about it from a nine story saga of the Skywalker film story ending with episode nine and for him to have died as Kylo Ren. It's like you go through all of these journeys with all of these Skywalkers who go through these ebbs and flows of light and darkness, but all eventually come to the light at the end. And then for it all to actually and finally end with darkness, it's like, why did I just invest in this family <laughs> for <laughs> you know, nine films now to have it all be kind of pointless in the end. Um, And I think that's what I always go back to when thinking about like, when not when trying to think unemotionally about Kylo Ren versus Ben Solo, um, as like a big Kylo Ren fan. Um, It's, it's like from that big, that really big picture perspective, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And then even from like a smaller picture, it's like, well, what does the like you said earlier, what does this say about Ray and Leia and Han and Luke? Like it proves all of them wrong and it just it like diminishes their role in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, it's it's just so nihilistic. And yeah. I hate it. Yeah. The thing is is that it, it would make me if we walked out of the theater and that had happened, I would be like, and I don't want to be this kind of person, but I would be. I'd be like, give me back my ending of Return of the Jedi, where yeah. like everything was, you know, things were happy and people were forgiven and all was right in the galaxy. There was a there was a bittersweetness, but it was earned. Yeah, um, and 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 again, like the focus wasn't on the galaxy's feelings because we've talked about that too. Like, is you know, obviously the galaxy hasn't forgiven Vader. We see that in Bloodline. Um, mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about the way that that movie works out is that Luke has forgiven Vader, and the Force has forgiven Vader. Um, yes, which, the cosmic force. the cosmic force has forgiven Vader, which I think is is a really interesting. Like thought um, that I don't know. The force was balanced. The force was balanced. Um, (laughs) When I think I think that's an interesting thought process when you're talking about like the difference between redemption and like atonement because that's that's a big conversation when it comes to Kylo Ren is like, well, does he deserve it? Can he earn it? Like he'll just sit in space jail for the rest of his life, and like that'll that's what should happen. Um, Whereas that wasn't Vader. Obviously, had a very different experience and like how do you compare those two um which i think we'll we'll find out (laughs) (laughs) i i mean i feel like i could talk about this all night but i i do think that okay so now let's let's explore the other side of like ben solo dying yeah so ben comes back and he you know, doesn't resist that call to the light anymore. And potentially he could sacrifice himself for, you know, the greater good, whether that's Ray, whether that's the resistance as a whole, it's probably would be some combination of the two. Right. 
And I think that that has the potential to be beautiful in the same way that Vader's death was. But I do feel like it might be a little repetitive of what happened in Return of the Jedi, which is why I feel like having these characters who are young, I mean, it's it's easy to forget when we talk about these things, like Vader was an old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have these two characters, right? Ray and Kylo Ren, who are, you know, they ha- they're like 10 years apart, whatever, but they're young. And it is clear to me that these two people could come together and like Ben could do things for good and spend the rest of his life, you know, being the best he could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is way more hopeful than like this this character who is, you know, consistently, like I said, being self-destructive and is very triggered by certain things. And I'm not making excuses for him at all. I'm just, you know, <laughs> looking at this character for who he is. Yeah. And I, I just don't see... I just don't see it going that way. I know. Um, I mean, obviously, I agree with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and you I mean you guys know we obviously have a bias towards this particular storyline. So you know, if that's not your bias, then just take it with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, I think it is repetitive, and this is something we talked about. You know, if Ben Solo dies, just like Vader does, and this is the an interesting um, component we talked about in our Visions episode about like how there's always this miscommunication in regards to like Visions in the future, but and it's always between these um, generations. So it's usually like an older master or mentor and a younger like student, as it were, and they like don't know how to communicate with each other, which is why it's so um, abnormal with the sequel trilogy to have these two like powerful powerful force users that are of the same time and so Mm -hmm. they communicate with each other differently and the potential for what they could do in the future is a lot different um totally obviously like if you if ben solo dies redeemed and that is the end of the skywalker line um as it were and i don't have a problem at all with like more stories about like, like if episode nine is the end of the Skywalker line or the end of Skywalker stories for the time being, I'm totally fine with that. I don't need every movie to be about the Skywalkers. Obviously, I love them, but I don't need every film to be about them, um, especially once we start getting into like Ryan Johnson having like his whole trilogy and like new live action and resistance and everything. Like I'm ready for those new Star Wars families. From a business standpoint, I can't see Disney slash Lucasfilm like getting rid of that potential for the future um, for like actual blood Skywalkers, even if they totally have no agree. like immediate plans to do anything with that. And even if it's like never a Raylo situation, I like, you can't pay for that kind of name recognition <laughs> um, in companies today. Like Skywalker, like everyone knows what you're talking about. And to, <laughs> I like, however you feel about the characters it's like to just like get rid of the last one so that you completely cut off that avenue does like to me that doesn't make sense from a business standpoint you know i think that a lot of people are i agree with you it doesn't make sense um i think a lot of people are like the skywalker name should die because they're afraid of things like the original trilogy continue to be like sullied by new films and like the mythos of the saga being a little bit tainted by like the sheer volume of the films being created. 
I just disagree because I feel like these movies are just going to be a part of us forever. Yeah. And I feel like we can't stop that. <laughs> and yeah. I want more Star Wars stories. And I'm perfectly fine, like you said, with taking a break and having Ryan Johnson's trilogy and everything. And But I... I just don't see them doing it either. And but you know, people do talk about like Ray, which oh, this is an interesting conversation in 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 the conversation about family. People do talk about like so Kylo Ren dies, Ben Solo dies, however that happens, and then Ray with no last name takes on the mantle of the Skywalker legend because she is part of the story. She is. I do think that I think that's powerful in itself, but because it's it really goes back to this whole like theme of anyone can be a hero and um she like earned her place in it obviously the lightsaber called to her everything is kind of aligned the cosmic force chose her i just like i feel like they can bring that to like a greater crescendo than just that it needs like more to me i think that's i think for people like in our section of fandom who like think about this like all the time like that's a really easy leap to make like oh Ray like just adopts the Skywalker name and like that is enough you know like the Skywalker mm-hmm. name can just be synonymous with legend it doesn't have to be tied directly to a bloodline um, and I get I mean, I'm kind of on the same page as you. Like, I get that. and But I don't know, like, how easily that would be conveyed in film, especially for, like, general audiences. And maybe this is me, like, hand-holding. I feel like this is a conversation we've been having a lot in um, the fandom is, like, like with the mall situation. Like, is it is it too confusing for them? Like, would audiences be confused or not turned off, but just like, oh, I guess she's going by Ray Skywalker now? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it would be a little confusing, especially with, like – Who's her parents? <laughs> exactly. And she doesn't – and it, the thing is, it's like, even though she has obviously a connection with Leia, she hasn't spent a lot of time with Leia. Her time with Luke, while ultimately helpful, was not exactly warm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then depending on how things ended with Kylo or Ben, um, he goes by Ben Solo. So, like, because that's the person she has – like Han and Kylo are the people she has the strongest connections to right now from like that Skywalker line. And they're both solos like mm-hmm. with their, like Ben doesn't go by Ben Skywalker solo. He goes by Ben solo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think that would be logistically a little confusing. I get the sentiment <laughs> of it, but then I think it kind of goes against this idea of like who Ray is that like, she is a nobody. She doesn't need to be a Skywalker Exactly. You know, which exactly. Is, which is why, like, the that's like kind of the mythos level of like the Raylo relationship, I think, is that like you have the the legend of that line with Skywalker represented in Ben, but then you also have the, you know, the hero from nowhere with Ray and how they're both valuable and both necessary in this like world. Yep. Yes. And them coming together is truly the way that the story should end and the story should be. Yeah. I can see a situation where it's, like, kind of, like, as far as, like, explicitly, like, romantic Raylo, I can see a situation where that's kind of left in the air for, again, like, something down the line if they Mm -hmm. wanted to. Um, Obviously, as, like, a shipper, I don't want that. But I can... I like for me I set myself up for that (laughs) and then anything else is just like yes Um, exactly but that's I mean I can definitely see that being 
kind of the ending as far as like their relationship is concerned. But they've put in the sequel trilogy, they've put such an emphasis on this idea of like destiny and the cosmic force. They've explored those themes so much more. And this idea of like balance and like light and dark that it seems kind of weird that they wouldn't kind of cement their relationship, whether it's romantically or it's just like they're the two most powerful force users kind of thing. Um, I feel like they have to kind of define their relationship pretty concretely based on the like the the details about the force and like this time period that we've been getting so far from like extra material. Exactly. And from within it's, the films themselves, obviously. Yeah, it's very it's very deep, the whole yin yeah. and yang concept. And if they were to go their separate ways, I don't think that it would be as powerful as that theme of light and dark, yin and yang, you know, opposites, right? Yeah. And that's what we say about The Last Jedi. Like the the best moment for the world in in that movie was when they were working together. That's when exactly. everything was going correctly. The force theme played, like all cylinders were It was firing. perfectly balanced. Yeah. yeah. And then and everything went like, wrong. Yeah, because it's, you know, darker middle chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Darker middle chapter. Hashtag yeah. darker middle chapter. So clearly, like, the cosmic forest, like, don't care about that family, really. Like, they recognize that the Skywalkers are extremely powerful, but the Cosmic Force chose Rey to assist in this, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, be a major crucial part of, like, balancing the Force. Yes. I think the I mean, they, they talk about it. Jason Fry does a great little bit in the Last Jedi novelization where he talks about the Cosmic Force. And it's, like, how it chose the Skywalkers and has been choosing the Skywalkers. Um, and now it's choosing someone else, too. But it's not mm-hmm. because it's like abandoning the Skywalkers. It's just adding more to the mix. And I think that's what's kind of cool about this um, part of the story right now is that you kind of can you can create this other world where like in this part of the galaxy, you know, the cosmic force is, is talking, is choosing the Skywalkers. But in this other part of the galaxy, like there's this whole other family that's front and center. Um mm-hmm. And they're they're at the center, like they have their own saga that's attached to them. And right now we're seeing the Skywalkers. Um, and like within the universe, it kind of takes them down a couple notches. But of course, like from our universe, they are the, you know, the first family of Star Wars. <laughs> um, because like that's how we they were our introduction into this world. And so they're all they'll always kind of have that elevated status no matter what happens. I'm going to kind of push back on that a little bit just because to Rey and everyone in the galaxy, like the Skywalkers, especially Luke, is such a myth. And it does kind of show even in-universe how powerful that bloodline is. And Yeah, I guess I – yeah, I, I completely agree. I guess I just kind of meant like in different times and in different worlds, like the cosmic force is using a lot of different people. Yes. Yes. But you're right. Like the, the Skywalker name has – power in universe too Mm -hmm. definitely so anything you would like to add before we wrap things up i really love the skywalkers i think they're good people (laughs) (laughs) they're good ends (laughs) they're good ends (laughs) and i think they're gonna stay good in the end personally (laughs) and uh i I really like the I like the legacy of this bloodline. Um and I like 
I'm excited for things like Resistance and like rewatching Rebels and stuff to get those like found family elements too. And I'm really excited. I keep getting more and more excited about Ryan Johnson's trilogy and like to see this new iteration. Um, Me too. And this like this other new group of people that will have a lot of time to get attached to um, in the film world. I'm really excited. Yeah, a trilogy is going to be a really great format, I think, for that. Yeah, I think we're going to really love it. I know we are. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) I just kind of want to sum up um, what we kind of talked about about the sequel trilogy and how you know we say a lot about how the sequel trilogy and you said it at the top of the show like it can't exist without what came before it and you know Lucasfilm as a whole has been trying really hard to kind of emphasize your blood family, but also your found family. And these two sides are definitely coming together, especially in the sequel trilogy. And it's just continuously being more emphasized with each story that we get here. That is a great summary. <laughs> Thanks. Lucasfilm approved. <laughs> okay. Well, I think this is going to wrap up our show. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you guys so much. This has been a really fun episode. So let us know what you thought about it. Um, If you want, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, Star Wars or otherwise. Um, If you are on any of those platforms like iTunes and you want to leave us a five-star review, it really does help our show out. So if you have a second and would consider doing that, we would really appreciate it. You can also find us all over the internet and other places too. Our website is skytalkers.com. Our Twitter is at skytalkerspod and our Instagram is Skytalkers Podcast. <laughs> and then we also have our personal Twitters. Charlotte's is at Crarity and mine is at Caitlin Plusher. And then we also have our Patreon if you're interested in uh, looking into that for some extra bonus content from us. Yes. And I just want to take a moment to thank our amazing patrons. Amy, Neil, Joanna, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Kyle, Katie, Rachel, Courtney, Brad, Brian, Susanna, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Pablo, Kels, Chastity, Alaya, Sarah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Lauren, Serene, Shireen, Matt, Aaron, Edith, Molly, Adam, Stuart, Derek, Connie, Robert, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. Um, We love talking Star Wars with you guys, and we're excited to keep talking Star Wars. So until next time, may the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.